Let us pray. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So, I, I don't know if any of you are like bar trivia buffs, right? I am. I, I used to, when I was in graduate school, my public policy buddies and I, we'd go to a bar and we'd compete pretty regularly and we'd, we'd be in the top three. Um, sometimes we'd win, sometimes, you know, we, we did pretty well and we, you know, we felt the pride that comes along with being public policy gurus winning uh, trivia nights at bars. Um, that's not really important other than I could, you know, tell you about my uh, trivia prowess, except the fact that this passage, I think these are interesting trivias. Like, what are the first things in each of the Gospels that Jesus says, right? I, I don't know. You know, sometimes trivia masters have to go real deep into their archives to pull a question out. So if you're ever at one and they ask you, what is the very first thing Jesus says in the gospel according to John? Here's your answer. Ten points. You owe me a beer later. It is, what are you seeking? Very first thing out of Jesus' mouth in the gospel of John. It's kind of fascinating, isn't it? We're like seeking out... It's interesting, too, that that question, what are you seeking, is not directed to Jesus himself. He's not announcing anything. Instead, this question of what are you seeking is actually directed to other people. Jesus Emmanuel, forever, the series that we're working through between now and Ash Wednesday, reminds us today that Jesus Emmanuel is forever curious about us. And turns out, at least according to John, was curious about us right from the beginning. You know, when you ask that question, what are you seeking? What is it that you're looking for? I feel like that question often has a certain sense of urgency to it. We seek what we both need and what we miss. My family will tell you that there is a weekly ritual that happens in my house where I don't put my keys in my wallet where they're supposed to go. And I have to ask the family, hey, where are my keys in my wallet? Now, I have these nice little air tags now um, because I am a complete Apple fanboy nerd, but I have my little air tags, and so all I got to do is pull out my phone anymore. But before that time, it was an event in the Anderson household. It was, it was something else, because what ended up happening was is that we would spend the entire time together just trying to find it. And, and listen, when you try to find your wallet and keys, you know why, right? It's because you had to be someplace 10 minutes ago, and now you're late, and now you're going to spend 15 minutes, and now you're going to be a half hour late, and it's probably the thing you had to be 10 minutes early for. But you hunt together the thing you want and you need. And of course, when we gather here, right, when we come to Sunday or we gather online, we're seeking things ourselves. We need to get up when there's frost in Florida. It had to have meant 
that you were seeking something being here in this community today that was urgent enough to get you out of your bed and here. Could have been you needed to see your community again. Could be you needed a moment just to be with people. It could be that this is a place that is safe and comfortable. Or maybe you wanted to be here because you were hoping you'd be challenged and it would be something that you could chew on the rest of the week. Those things are needed and missing, perhaps, as a week goes by. But, you know, in both those cases, whether it's my keys or wallet or whether it's, you know, y'all come in here on Sunday, with maybe a couple exceptions when somebody comes for the first time, you know, we don't ask those questions immediately, right? Even if you're making a decision to be here on Sunday, you know yourself pretty well. You've probably had a conversation with yourself maybe the night before, say, okay, maybe, maybe this is the week I'll show up. Or maybe I have to say, once again, I forgot my keys, but I know I need them. But how interesting is it that Jesus, sight unseen from these soon-to-be disciples, right from the outset, first thing they ask is, What is it that you're seeking? Wanting to know what those people who he has no other relationship with, what they're looking for. What is it that they're missing? What is it they can't find? What is it that they lack? And so it's interesting that as you continue this story, you see that that curiosity is reciprocated. Right? It's not just the disciples saying, well, I could use some new nets. Or, you know, my family is tired and we could just use a lift someplace. It, it, the, the question is, what do you need? And disciples respond, well, where are you staying? Where are you abiding is a more direct translation. By showing honest curiosity, the disciples are equally curious. It's not a need being satisfied, but it's a relationship being formed. And what is the shared answer to all of this according to John's gospel? Well, it's to be in community, spend time together, to get to know each other, abide with each other, engage in shared curiosity together for a while. Could you imagine getting together with Jesus for the first time, sitting and having your first lunch with Jesus as a, you don't necessarily realize going to be a disciple, and Jesus, first, one of the first things he does is like, I don't like your name anymore. This is what you're going to be named now. That's, that's something. That shared curiosity leads to a particular vulnerability, deepening relationships, changing how one works with one and with another. I think this forever curiosity, Jesus with us forever. Remember, as we started this, we realized that until justice is done and the world is as it's supposed to be, Jesus will not tire. Jesus will not get worn out with being with us and will continue to walk beside us. So Jesus is forever curious about us, continuously asking us, what is it that you're seeking? What is it you want? I think this forever curiosity has two different, but I think significant implications for our lives together. Because I think first off, a 
question that sits with a community of people of faith is, what does it mean to be persistently curious about one another? You know, at the, at the session retreat yesterday, we talked a lot about life cycles in churches. And churches have rises and churches have declines, and we tried to get a sense of where we've been. And it was really interesting that as churches tend to decline, you know, one of the things that tends to go, one of the big ones was vision, but also relationships starts to fall apart. You know, when you lose your sense of momentum and, and forward vision and you you don't know who you're becoming. You sort of sit for a while, but then you start to get mad because you're hoping that things would be as they used to be. You crave nostalgia. Oh, remember when it was like this before? And then when it's not inevitably like that, you find people to blame. You start to get angry, and then relationships start to fall apart. What's really interesting is it's, it's a kind of an up-and-down thing, and one of the session members said, I remember a particular time at this church that relationships were strong, but it wasn't necessarily the type of relationships you want to have. They were kind of like the anti-relationship. It was a, a negative relationship. And I think what happens is, is after a while, we start to lose genuine curiosity with each other. And we start to forget that perhaps in our desire for nostalgia that the people in front of us today are interesting in the present. When someone visits us a couple times, for instance, do we get to know them? I mean, listen, one of the things that I think this church is pretty well known for now is its friendliness. I can't tell you how many times I have somebody come up to me after they visited a few times, and it's like, okay, now I finally feel like I can talk to the pastor a little bit. They're like, man, this place is super friendly. That people came up to me, and they talked to me, and it was really nice. They were friendly people. Southern hospitality. But ask yourself the question, do you know that person? Were you curious about them? Do we get curious about folks after they've become members, after they've crossed the Rubicon of membership? Maybe for those of you who are still relatively new, are you curious about some of the long-term folks who've been here? You know, I'm looking at folks in this room right now, and they were raised in this church, y'all. And they are slightly older than me. I mean, slightly relative term, right? Because... I'm only 25, right? Um, are we curious about them? You know, there's a difference between friendliness and genuine curiosity. I mean, for goodness sakes, do you know my story? Are you curious about the guy who has to speak at you every Sunday? It's an interesting question, isn't it? Being friendly versus being curious. Do you know that in our community, when we do the research and we have the demographic information and we look at people who live within an eight-minute drive of this church and we're learning more about them, do you know four of the top ten reasons why someone who used to be involved in a church, and not just South Jacks, but churches in general, that now no longer participate in a church are all four out of the ten, so 40%, are related to this exact issue, related to communal curiosity. One reason that somebody who used to be part of a church that isn't anymore is that they didn't feel welcome. 
that there were conflicts in the community, that they were not supported during a time of need and that there weren't friendships that developed. In my mind, all four of those actually have the same exact root cause. We might not have been genuinely curious about the people who show up with us every Sunday morning. But here's the thing, like the gospel, it is a two-way street, right? There's something to be said about when somebody is genuinely curious about you to respond. Where are you abiding? Where are you? I'd like to spend time with you. Do you see how in the gospel message today there is this cycle that seems to happen? Jesus at first piques our curiosity and then the disciples answer with honesty about their own curiosity and then together at Christ's invitation they go together and they are in community and they share life together. There is nothing more heartbreaking for me as a pastor over the last few years is when somebody is upset that their needs weren't met because they never told anyone about them. And listen, we can say to ourselves as the body of Christ that maybe we didn't do enough asking, and that might always be true, but the question has to be, when the call and the question is asked, what are you seeking? That the answer is returned honestly. That's the gift of vulnerable community. Yeah, it takes time. And that's the weird thing about this story for me, right? Like, this happens right away. That's hard for us to do. As people, we have to build trust with one another. We have to build relationship. We have to see that people are worth our stories and worth our curiosity. But perhaps that's where we can be reminded that Jesus, Emmanuel, forever, the safe one, will still keep asking us, what is it you want? In the end, dear friends, whether it's with Christ or whether it's with each other, that persistent curiosity develops a space of abiding, of being with one another, sharing life with each other. But here's the tricky part about all of this, is it's actually not just all about us. This would be a much cleaner sermon if it was just like, hey, let's be nice to each other and let's pay attention to each other and let's build relationship with each other, done, 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 done. But there is another side of this. If you read the early part of the gospel writer here, John makes it clear in the text that Jesus is here to help Israel be a light. And by the end of this ministry, by the end of this gospel, we see that it is not just Israel that is going to be a light that's going to spread the word of Jesus Christ, but it is all believers, it's all nations, it is going out in the world and perhaps finding spaces of abiding. But you can see in a text like this how easy it is to twist it into a prosperity gospel. Well, listen, y'all, if I'm just extra curious about Jesus, I'll get a blessing. 
we're just extra curious about Jesus, and you plant a $100 seed, you will get 10 times the amount of what Jesus is. Jesus' curiosity is limitless in your fortune. If we think that it's all about us, that we think it's all about our relationships and our ends, and Jesus is nothing but a transactional figure that is single-sided, yeah, we can get there. But right from the beginning of this story, right from the beginning of this gospel assignment, Jesus is not there for just us or for himself. Instead, it is about abiding and moving in time and space and not just static. If all the church was, if all that ministry was, was just a static hour every Sunday and we could return from point to point and have the same relationship and the same conversations and the same coffee and the same everything, great. We just keep the same static relationships and the same space between one another. Leaving just enough space for us to avoid the real curious questions, to abide with one another. It's almost we're in community next to each other and not with each other, but instead we move with one another. Our lives change, but yet dynamically we are back together again, and as Christ is curious about us, we can also be that curiosity for others. As simple as asking, how was your week this week? What is it you're seeking this week, friend? You know, as I mentioned in the children's sermon, I was mindful of Martin Luther King as we were approaching this text and and this, because Martin Luther King Jr., while he did so much for the African-American community and brought forth change, significant change, along with many others who were working for the plight of African-Americans and civil rights, he didn't stop there. In fact, at the time of his assassination, he had started to move his energies more towards the folks who are the working class and the poor in various communities, partnering with others to make sure that it wasn't just race and the margins of race that were, paying, that were being paid attention to, but instead it was for everybody who was put on the margins. And so Martin Luther King, in part, reminds us that that mutual curiosity That understanding, that deep meaning of asking somebody, what is it you seek? Well, I seek dignity. I seek to have a place at the table. I seek to be in community with everyone. That is a place of mutual curiosity. And so it stands to reason that just as we perhaps build the relationships of mutual abiding and curiosity with each other, that as we continue to expand that circle wider, the people who we get curious about are less like us. Look less like us, think less like us. That means perhaps our curiosity and our abiding have to change a little bit. But, But let me ask you this, if you had the choice between reading the same 15 articles in the New York Times every single day for the rest of your life 
or you had the chance every day to receive a fresh paper with fresh ideas and fresh thoughts, what life sounds more interesting? If all you had to watch on TV were perpetual reruns of MASH, or you could actually watch whatever now. Some of you might be hardcore MASH fans, and this is not an applicable example. Wouldn't you like a little bit of variety in your life? You know, the more that we open up space for curiosity with people who don't look and think and act like us, well, it's like having more channels to view and get to know in your heart what you have when we just show up next to each other and not with each other. So if you remember a couple weeks ago, I, I, I said, I, I think that what we're called to do this year in 2023 is just do the work. It's not the most glamorous thing in the world, but it's pretty direct. And I, I wonder if how we do the work here, is just keep asking that question of each other. People who aren't here, people you work with, people that you get mad with as you're driving, and they cut you off. What is it that you're seeking? Have you asked yourself that question recently? Today in 2023, as we start a new year, what is it that you are seeking? What abiding hope do you want to have with people around you? I wonder what would it look like if a church did that all the time. Something to think about. Thanks be to God.